Osiris. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome back to We Move Through Stormy Weather, a podcast by Storm Sound. My name is Ryan Storm, and today I am joined by Jonathan Hart. A lifelong Virginian, he lives with wife and children a comfortable distance away from both Richmond and Washington, D.C., yet within striking distance should a worthwhile concert make the calendar. His primary vice is collecting records, a habit he picked up in 1990. There appears to be no cure. Jonathan has been writing songs for decades, mostly keeping to himself, but in recent years he's shared a couple with Colorado-based band The John T. And as of September 2020, he's begun releasing songs via Bandcamp. You can find his work at jmhart.bandcamp.com. He can be found discussing The Grateful Dead and other tenuously related music as the host and producer of the Broke Down podcast. He can also frequently be heard talking about Fish as a co-host of the Helping Friendly podcast. Today's episode of We Move Through Stormy Weather is sponsored by Averzio Wellness. Averzio Functional Mushrooms are here to help right now, whether you are gearing up for a show, going to sleep afterwards, or recovering and restoring the day after. With a wide range of health benefits, Averzio Mushrooms help you make the most out of the moment through the ancient healing properties in their highly potent fruiting bodies. The organic certified therapeutic potency and their planet-positive refill system are two of the many standout reasons that Averzio is my choice supplement. Be clear, chill, balanced, energized, protected, focused, and calm in the moment with Averzio Mushrooms. Use code STORMSOUND15 for 15% off your order, available to ship anywhere in the U.S. and Canada. Hi, Jonathan. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Very excited to have you on today. Uh, very excited to get back in the swing of things with these uh, We Move Through Stormy Weather episodes. It's been a little while. Um, and, you know, you're someone I've been looking forward to having on for uh, a while now. You know, I've, I've guessed on HF Pod a few times, and it's been always been great uh, talking to you about fish. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. You, uh, you've been a terrific guest over on the on the HF Pod. I uh, we'll always love to have you on because, uh, well, you know your stuff, man. Uh, I mean, start right there. It's always fun to mm -hmm. chat with you. 
Thank you. And uh, you picked a song that we have done before on the podcast, but we are tackling two different versions. Uh, we will be talking about Stash today. Uh, for any of you fans of Shoreline 2021, um, <laughs> Amsterdam 97, or Scott Marks, uh, I did an episode with him on Stash uh, in the spring. Go check that out. That is episode 22 of We Move Through Stormy Weather. I'm a fan of Scott Marks, so I'll have to go check that one out myself. Mm-hmm. It's a good episode. It's a good episode. Well, Jonathan, uh, you know, before we get into the specific songs, let's talk about how you got into fish. How did I get into fish? I remember kind of clearly, I think senior year of high school, so it'd be 1991 or two, when, I don't know exactly, um, a friend of mine approached me with a cassette tape in the hall. And he gave me this tape. Mm. He said, "You should have you checked these guys out." I said, "No." He's like, "Here, you borrow this. Give it back to me tomorrow." And uh, and so I did. And ever since then, I've been I've been kind of listening to Fish. Um, what what was that tape up? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, it was it was studio tape. So uh, I I want to say it was uh, a picture, but I I, mm. I can't swear to it. Whatever uh, it I, was worked. It worked. Um, and like, you know, by the time I got to college uh, the next year, I was listening to a ton of fish and Grateful Dead. I was going to Grateful mm-hmm. Dead shows and um, listening to them almost semi-exclusively, but fish was definitely in there. And um, a lot of my friends were listening to fish and like, you know, Junta playing really loud in the dorms uh, at all <laughs> times. And uh, it was, uh, it was kind of almost completely in but i didn't see them uh for a couple more years i didn't see them in, until 1994 mm. when what what day in 1994 uh that sure. was october 8th 1994 at the patriot center which is now called the eagle bank arena a room that i was just in for yeah, uh for taboos for taboos exactly you know was that like crazy impactful experience for you did you then like immediately go on tour or did it take you a while to see them again after that? i didn't really go on tour but you know i walked out of there going these guys are great i knew they were great i'd been listening to tapes i was mm-hmm. you know a lot of people i've talked to who went into their first show in that era and they were um you know took them a couple shows to get it or whatever and they went back a year later or whatever i pretty quickly went out and um got tickets to see them on the new year's run. I saw them 12, 28, 12, 29. Um, and those were pretty good. Long uh, Bowie. Yeah. Big <laughs> Bowie. And then, yeah. And then kind of kept going until, until I had a kid and that kind of took me off, took me off the road, um, in 96 for a little bit. Cool. Yeah. Why, why was stash, uh, your pick for this? What, what is impactful about the song? Stash is one of my favorite songs. Uh, I, you know, people will and not incorrectly make the case that you enjoy myself is everything you need about fish or everything you need to know about fish. But um, Stash is, I think, a perfect example as well. It has composition. It has mm-hmm. a, tension and release kind of built into the composition as well as the jams. Which, you know, as we'll get into with these examples, and then it has the opportunity to open up and go really deep. And that's also something that I feel like they've underutilized, you know, in almost 40 years of fish. um, There have only been, I think, seven 
versions of stash or something that that have cracked 20 minutes yeah well that's exactly what i was about to say which is i think uh, there's still a huge deep well available to them if they chose to go mm-hmm. there um because the song can do anything any other song can do only better maybe Ooh. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe uh, that, that that's a bold claim. You know, it, anything Tweezer can do, Stash can do better. You you've heard no, it here first. Uh, <laughs> but yes, I mean Stash just in its nature as a song, um, you know, maybe nonsensical lyrics, but they set a tone. Even if they don't build a strictly coherent narrative, um, they they raise the tension of the moment. And the song, the music suits it. And uh, I like every doorway into dark and weird that Fish has in their catalog. And this is this is a really good one that's been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like early, early, very strict, tight versions of it. Like uh, 11191 is, a, I think, an excellent example of that, where it's, it's not really, it doesn't go off the rails, doesn't extend. There's a beautiful beautiful recording of it that circulates that's why that one is particularly high in my my estimation it's not necessarily better than others from the era but mm. it's just it's just kind of perfect and um and that's not even the one i picked <laughs> exactly yeah let's you know you you were very enthusiastic uh you know when, when i asked like what version you were like this one and i want to talk about the whole tour so you picked five nineteen ninety four. Um, which is not a stash I had heard before. Um, was very excited to listen to it, um, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Also, great, uh, great sounding tape yeah. uh, of this show, and you know, to, to even the playing field when only one of the the songs that we're talking about has a soundboard release. I listened to the audience of both, um, and so also the the one that I picked, which is six eleven nineteen, um, also has a great sounding audience tape. So, shout out to the tapers who recorded those shows. They sound Thank- they sound great. Thank you, Tapers, as always. Um, They're critical to what we do, which is to mine these, you know, the history of this band. And Mm -hmm. we just wouldn't have it. Um, Yeah. So so, tell me about 51994. 51994 is the Silver Concert Hall, Holt Center for the Performing Arts in Eugene, Oregon. It is kind of late in that in their spring tour. And what is really notable about the entire spring tour, as I wanted to mention, is that every stash from April 94 is in the jam chart. None of them are exceptionally long, but if you go back to that 11191, for example, or something from that era and listen to stash, you hear stash it is written as it is written. Then you go to these 94, spring 94 stashes, and they start stretching and pushing and pulling, but they remain tight, like tight as a drum. Absolutely astounding. I think this Holt Center one is an excellent example. I I think I'm kind of having a personal affinity because it is, it is actually the May ones, this one. And there's one from a few days earlier uh, that I really discovered before I realized that every April show every april stash is also on the list so you could go to the lexington show from 420 lexington virginia 420 has a really really great one that's also Um, that's also the show with uh, the dave matthews band yam right right uh in fact right after the stash trey says uh you know when 
thank you and everybody. We're really excited to be here playing with our friends, the Dave Matthews band again. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, cause it was kind of a throwback show to a few years earlier when they might play tracks in Charlottesville or whatever. Right. Um, yes, my Virginia stuff coming through, <laughs> but you know, the tension and release in these versions is really what it's about. It is like master study and how far we can push before pulling back and that they not only do they collectively push, but they also push and pull at each other. And it is kind of gooey. Time never really slips. Fish is on top of it throughout, but it mm. just starts to like, I, I, I it almost, ex- I think it's exceeding my words here. It's, um, <laughs> it, I, it, it's, could put you in it gets to almost to a raga kind of state where it kind of gets out of any sort of sensible um western sort of music and kind of yeah. goes towards more of a trancey bit but just very briefly i mean we're talking about um i think this version is 1141 and that probably includes yeah. the the break between that and horse which follows it's, it's 11 and a half minutes long. Yeah, yeah it's super tight it is an amazing 11 and a half minutes i think mm-hmm. yeah and it's cool because this is you know six weeks before they would play the version that shows up on a live one which right. is one of the best tension release jams i think in the fish has ever played and yet um, this one is quite different mm. yeah oh it's, it's so different what, what's different to me is you know the jam chart entry says it's like, you know, almost heavy metal at times. And what was what was interesting to me is, you know, I, I'm listening to it, and yeah, there's all that dissonance and all that tension building, but there's also these moments where Trey seems to be trying to push it in a major key direction, which right. was really, really weird to hear from my ears. You know, I, I was like, okay, this is an 11-minute stash from early 1994. I was expecting just balls to the walls, tension building, like a live one. And this was really, really cool. You know, it it starts immediately. You know, Trey Trey's Trey's playing like he he's right up front, leading the jam at as you know he is in that era, um, and and he starts playing this repeating like the gradually, you know, fish catches on to it first, and then Mike and Paige also catch on to it, and it just kind of it just goes as you said. It just like you know yeah, for he, eleven and a half minutes, it just goes. He gets in this figure that's um. I almost want to sing it, but I'll get the notes wrong, but it's going to da 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 and just kind of holds on that. Mike plays a counter to it, and it, but then he's bending at the, the high note of it and just kind of pushing that note. I don't know if he's using a, his octave pedal to, or if he's just doing it by hand, but it, it just kind of doesn't stay quite in tune in just right. the way that really mess you up in a good way i love it mm-hmm. yeah and what's also cool about this version i think is i think mike's still playing finger style bass at this point yeah. um so you know very different vibe than what we're used to in stashes you know from recent years of you know after 1994 basically oh, yeah. uh, when he switched to using a pick and so it's you know his bass playing feels a bit more fluid um and it's just like e- even in the composed section i was listening and i was like wow like it, it sounds so notably different because of that really does and and, you know i don't think i've given that aspect enough thought um 
but you're right. He he really, I mean, he did have a very different tone. You know, he's still on the dock base and uh, mm-hmm. and playing without a pick. It was, I mean, he was extraordinarily precise as a player in this moment. Yeah. And um, not that he wasn't later, but it, you know, for a finger picking base, you know, no slapping, none of that stuff. We are everything is deliberate and just very focused. The whole band is uh, really just incredibly locked in. No wonder they decided to make a live record. <laughs> no kidding. And and Trey's tone here as well. You know, you mentioned Mike's bass tone, but this is like, you know, peak 1994, that that pure, like just like raw fire Trey tone with like, you know, the the, the Mesa boogie and the Languedoc cabinets and the, the tube screamers the original just turned up. Blonde guitar. Tube screamers and the Ross compressor. Like, yeah. you know, the the sauce, uh, if you will. But yeah. yes, that just, it, it sounds so incredible throughout the whole thing, especially, you know, as he's building to the, like, dissonance on dissonance on dissonance towards that final peak, and when it just explodes back into the song at the end, it's like, ah, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the release is uh, it's ecstatic, and we could use many a uh, metaphor for that. But uh, it's just great, just yes. really. I keep saying that because this is that's what I feel when I hear this. And I actually have felt similarly listened to your your pick, uh, which we'll mm-hmm. get to. It just ah yes, this is this is what I love from Fish. Right. 
I love right. other things too, but this is what I love from things. <laughs> yeah, we we all love other things too, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, what's cool about the the six eleven nineteen version also is that you know it's it's a much more contemplative version of stash. You know, it's not straight balls to the walls. You know, eleven and a half minutes of you know molten lava, or whatever. You know, it's it's they're taking more time to explore. Um, this is also the first you know extended jammed out stash in a very long time uh yep. when it happened um which i remember being very 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 excited about um it's also i think this is also the first time this is the first show where page had his moog one uh, and i think this is the first time he uses it um which is exciting um you know the kind of beginning of that era and it's also you know the moog one sound in june 2019 is very different from the moog one sound that is now because he's still you know, yeah. doesn't really know what it's he's doing with it. You more know, time to fiddle. So, yeah, there, there's so many knobs on that thing. And I, yeah. I think he had, like, just gotten it recently and, you know, didn't really know the full capabilities. Um, and, you know, we wouldn't really see it fully realized until 2021, I think. Um, but it's it's really interesting to hear that dimension of the sound as well. And, like, you know, Paige and Mike both being so much more assertive in this jam than they were in the 1994 version. They they are. It's um, so this is the St. Louis first night of a two night run, mm-hmm. right? The next night was the night that the Blues won the Stanley Cup, so they were like covered glory. My favorite loving cup ever. Yeah, it's a good loving cup too. Uh, but this is not that night. Um, yes. <laughs> instead, it's the you know kind of stash is coming home parties. All of a sudden, I remember this because of that i remember that stash went long but i honestly haven't been back to listen to it since sometime that year um but i think that when i was listening to it before i had a little glitch on my uh player so i don't have tape timings with to go with my notes but you'll know these bits they break mm-hmm. into this kind of beautiful major key jam and and I, I, I laughed at myself as I wrote notes because I was like, is Paige on the roads here? I was like, Ryan, I don't know. Whirly. Um, it is the whirly there, you know, yeah. but he's, it's the electric pianos. They, they, they're focused on them sometimes. I get them, but Fish was doing this great syncopated beat during this beautiful major key jam. Mm-hmm. And then Trey, like, it's funny, like, Trey seems to go punching buttons because he has a, a moment where you start to hear like a synthy kind of distorted sound, but then he flips again. You hear like the octave pedal or something. Cause suddenly he's really high up, but then he dials it back and it goes instead goes for the deep low octave. Mm-hmm. And uh, that really deepens the groove. And that's, I think when page goes to the synth. Yeah. And this jam just gets weirder, but still very coherent. Yeah. It's, it's, it's cool because, you know, you get that very, it's a very 2019 jam in the sense that, you know, they decide they're going to jam it out basically. Um, and, and Trey pretty much immediately modulates to a major key like that, that happens everywhere in 2019. So much, you know, he still does it now, but you know, there's much more of an element of, you know, weird, I think in the jams now and this, it's like, okay, we're going to modulate up, uh, you know, to I, I I don't know specifically what he modulated up to, but I think a lot of time is like, okay, we're gonna go to the fourth, we're gonna go to the fifth, hang out in that space for a while, and it's cool because the nineteen ninety four one, it seems like they're like racing against the clock, like they're you know they have somewhere to go and they're gonna get there, you know, as fast as possible. And then this one, you know, they're in no hurry, 
as you mentioned, that the, the way that Page, you know, plays the Worley when he, when he hits that in this jam is just so so beautiful and complements Trey's playing perfectly, and they both kind of, you know, they, they play off each other very yeah. very nicely in this jam. There's this um, bit after what I what I was describing when Trey goes, you know, deep in the octave where he mm-hmm. starts doing this kind of melodic. Uh, well, he's always, he's, I think he's always during this jam doing these melodic syncopated rhythms, but he's doing this bit that reminded me, um, his part reminded me of the Plinko days from the early 3.0, yeah. but but just him. They didn't all follow. It also maybe a little Tahoe Tweezer-ish where they're hitting the like bump, bump, bump bit that they, uh, they you know, that led to the woos in the Tahoe Tweezer. Oh my God. Speaking of woos, Woo? I totally forgot to mention when we were talking about your version. People wooed instead of like some people were doing the the, yeah. the clap, and some people were wooing. That that caught me. That caught me so off guard. Yeah, and listening to your version, I missed the woodblocks, um, <laughs> <laughs> because the clap basically eradicated the woodblocks. Um, yeah. Which it which didn't sound like sad. Fish was doing it in your version as well. Maybe maybe I missed it, but no, he may not have been. Um, that's yeah. the thing. It was in that time that. People were just like the hardcores who'd been around for a couple of years. They knew the claps, but there were still yeah. plenty of new people, especially on a West Coast show, um, who Damn didn't noobs, quite no know way. what they're doing. Yeah, noobs everywhere. <laughs> um. <laughs> well, anyway, back, back to back to talking about the St. Louis one. Back um, to 2019. Yeah, I felt like, um, but the 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 jam really it felt like it had legs remaining, um, and it did a couple more, but but before too long. They kind of, you know, roar back into the proper stash and close it out. Uh, was it like 16 and change? Really yeah. great, great version. I still think there's a 30-minute tweezer, a 30-minute stash out there to shame most of the tweezers. But um, this one didn't do it, but it was it's really good <laughs> and worth our, worth our time. As far as stash goes, especially modern yeah. era stashes, it's, oh, yeah. it's very good. There's a, there's a cool moment. Around around ten and a half minutes in, where they kind of hit this space where they're still moving, but it feels like you know they're, they're waiting for somebody to come up with the next idea, and and that's something that's you know, 2019 was kind of all about that. It's like where are we taking our sound next? Thank you. 
jamming in 2017 and 2018. In 2019, you know, Trey changed up his his rig a lot going into that. Um, Fishman changed his kit. You know, Paige got the the new Moog to replace the the Voyager that he had really been leaning on in a lot of jams the last couple of years. So, you know, they're 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 trying to find this new sound, and that that's kind of what happens all year. And I think that's why it ends up being you know wildly inconsistent. Um, and I think we saw that again in 2022, yeah. where you know they hit this again another massive career peak last year, um, and you know this year they're like, okay, where do we go from here? Well, you know, and so so it's it's interesting to track how you kind of hear that they're not like, all right, we've got this idea that we've been working on for a few months for or even for a few shows already. This is the first show of the year outside of the Mexico run, which I consider to be an extension of the late 2018 sound i think that's fair i mean mexico doesn't really count in my book usually i mean great jams I mean, always they it, do it, not, it, it lives on an island do not by sleep itself. on do not sleep on mexico 2019 because those shows are excellent i'm not knocking it i just feel like those shows exist separate from the continuum um that's fair. everything about them is different um but you know you could go back to um bittersweet motel and there's the bit in and around where the guy brings bad reviews and trey's like you know when you're taking chances on stage sometimes you're gonna fall flat on your face and i'm poorly paraphrasing because you know this is something that he's they've said before and grateful dead said and people have said about these bands that when they go out there and they decide to improvise when they break away from a composition and try to create something new on stage. Sometimes it doesn't happen. And, you know, the 2019 jams, and this is a great example of it. They give themselves the room, not just to fall flat, but the room to find a thing, um, which if you go back a few more years to say, uh, you know, well, the first part of 3.0 in particular they mm-hmm. very often just didn't give themselves a chance. Right. Um, they they would just bail. get out yeah. there. If it didn't happen, they'd bail. Song, 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 even song, it, even song. Even if it was starting to happen, they'd bail yeah. sometimes. You know, again, 2010 had no jams over 20 minutes. This is where we want Fish to be. Is mm-hmm. when we where we are now, but also where we were on 6.11.19 is a band that is giving themselves a chance um, for our benefit. Mm-hmm. What what what's kind of interesting is you know I I a couple of weeks ago I realized that you know I kind of haven't listened to 2019 in like a year and a half and you know I I tend to listen to a lot of recent fish um would you know so I, I you know I was listening to a lot of so much 2021 for like the last you know year and a half obviously because it's just it's so good and I just want to keep listening to it um and you know I. I I was listening to so much 2019 in 2020 and early 2021 because it was like the most recent fish. And I, you know, I was like, I'm just, you know, I listened to the Camden 20 years later and the Alpine Ruby waves like frequently. And I hadn't listened to them in, in so long. And, you know, I've kind of been going back to those jams. And I think like the really, really good jams from 2019 have held up pretty well. I think, you know, I do prefer the Eugene Ruby waves from last year to Alpine. Um, but like stuff like that Camden 20 years later, you know, going back to it, 
I, I love that jam. It's, it's amazing, but it's, it's interesting, you know, to track how much of the year is just kind of like, eh. I mean, it, it happens in a lot of years. Um, yeah. I, I, I listen to the fish that just happened and then I listen to fish that's really old. Um, yeah. that's kind of the way I am. And then sometimes I don't listen to fish at all for a week, which is always, yeah, I don't yeah. ever go that long. I, <laughs> I, I got a, a record problem to maintain. Um, that's fair. Sometimes <laughs> when goose is on tour, I'll like go like two days without listening to fish and then I'll be like, wait a minute. I'm not, I haven't listened to fish in two days. That's a problem. <laughs> See, yeah, I, I, my, my uh my goose is my record collection in all mm. manner of so many other bands as opposed to you know i don't have i don't even have a one two anymore i mean i have grateful dead i'm i guess i'm always listening to them too so maybe i do have that um, right but like not a one two like currently two like yeah that. no not at all um there are a hundred groups that are out there right now that i love 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 and pay attention to and mm-hmm. might jump on the road to go see um, a little bit of, but um, none of them are doing the kinds of things that fish or even goose are doing with, you know, wildly different set lists and jams and unpredictability. Just, yeah, yeah, very few of yeah. them, at least. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting how few bands, you know, even even with, you know, kind of the the more mainstream. Uh, the mainstreamification is that a word? <laughs> the more mainstreamification, I, I'm just gonna roll with it. Of of the you know the dead and you know people like now it's really cool to go see Dead and Co. Um, you know which is like you know I, I every time I see someone I know who like or like you know someone I I know who like lives in the U.S. who I know is just like a you know they're like my age and they're going because it's like cool and they're like went see the grateful dead no you didn't like uh, (laughs) like like silently fuming (laughs) (laughs) well i'm i'm not here to bury dead and co but um yeah (laughs) i will say that uh, they're not the grateful dead um but you know arguably the grateful dead might not have been for a number of years either um but i focus on i i i you know i have a whole other podcast where we talk about grateful dead and i bring in all kinds of artists who make all kinds of music including some who are uh, pretty much exclusively improvisers who love grateful dead don't sound anything like them or fish or any of that and um and there's you mean other music there's there's this thing called other music that exists um (laughs) uh, and that's been kind of a trip for me is to explore people who you know Many of whom use rock instrumentation and rock band setups and make music that sounds like none of these things. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's the spirit. And that's, you know, what what does Fish take away from the Grateful Dead? This, the spirit as much as anything, the the willingness to try. And, yeah. uh, and so there's a lot of groups out there doing that too. That again, sound like Fish doesn't sound like Dead. These guys don't sound like any of those bands. It's It's a great pleasure. Um, but it sometimes takes a little digging. Yeah, and that, that that's a good point about, you know, the the willingness to try. That's like the, the big shared quality, I think, between yeah. all of these jam bands, big or small. Um, you know, like, yeah, Fish doesn't sound like the Dead. Goose doesn't sound like Fish. 
but yeah, they, they share that quality where they're like, okay, we're going to go out here and we're going to see what happens. Like, you know, sometimes we're going to, you know, break through and this jam is going to be like the best thing we've ever played. And sometimes it's going to be 25 minutes and it's just going to be like, oh, yeah, you know, like sometimes you got to, you push through and at 24 minutes you hit that thing. Sometimes yeah, you don't. Which is, you know, uh, Paige talked about that in the it documentary. Um, you know, it's sometimes, you know, we have to play a 30 minute jam to get to those last five minutes. Yeah. You know, I mean, and they were doing a lot of that in 2.0 and I, you know, when I, when I listen back to Oh three Oh four, I find that there's like the first 15 minutes of the jam kind of, you know, boring to me in a way. It's oh, yeah. just kind of like, you know, it sounds like 2.0, you know, Trey's doing his oxy stuff, especially um, that Oh four stuff when yeah, the real problem was largely the listening i mean yeah. it was caused by other things perhaps but the listening some of those yeah. the o3 summer o3 stuff is a lot more coherent but again doesn't mean yeah, all the jams like, land all the way through the it 46 days i just i i, I get lost like i i'm not so i'm that. not super engaged and yeah <laughs> <laughs> no but like something like the the shoreline soul planet from 2021 like you know it's really long but yeah. I don't. I don't really get bored of it when I'm listening to it, which I don't do very often because, you know, I I don't I I I always you know even though I'm like listening to music for hours at a time, I always look at it like, oh, it's 47 minutes. I don't know if I can. Who's got that um, kind of time? Yeah, exactly. And then I'll go and listen for you know three and a half hours. <laughs> um, but you know something something like um, the the Spack Piper from '04. That jam, you know, give me minutes 17 through 25, like, hell yeah. The rest of it, yeah. Okay. I spent some time on another podcast talking about the um, Hampton 04 show, which opens mm-hmm. with this massive, on paper, chalk dust torture. Yeah. I don't need it. I mean, it's not, it doesn't come together. Um, but then again, I've, I was going to say, you know, I, I, I've also argued against the Camden 99 one. So maybe I'm not Oh my the guy. God, me too. <laughs> maybe I'm not the guy to which, hype a which, chalk dust. Which chalk dust are you taking over Camden, Camden 99? I don't know. None of them. I don't think I have one. I, maybe it's that I don't want a chalk dust jam. Um, I'll take the, I'll take the fee from Virginia beach two nights earlier over the Camden chalk dust. And I was at both. So you were at the that was the Terrapin Station. No, that's show? the ninety eight. It's not Terrapin Station. Oh, were you there? No, I was not at that one. Uh, yeah. How, what are you how upset do? were you to miss that? Oh, I was so mad. I was at the <laughs> Merryweather show. Um and then and I and I went to Lemon Wheel and everywhere. Why weren't you, you at the Virginia Beach show? I I had a, a professional job and a child, and I was about to take a vacation to go to Lemon Wheel. So was what did it end up being worth it to miss Fish playing Terrapin Station? I have no regrets. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I have no regrets. Yeah. Would I, I, I like I imagine... to have seen it? Absolutely. Yes. But well, yeah, you know, as you know, someone who was a deadhead first for sure, that must have, yeah. you know. Oh no, it, it's a big deal. But as I was saying, it, by the time we got to Lemon Wheel, mm-hmm. everybody was playing it. 
You right. heard it everywhere in the parking right. lot. I imagine. Yeah. If you weren't hearing, you know, whatever the ra- they called the radio station that show, uh, you were hearing that Terrapin station five times a day. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. It was like, okay. I mean, especially a week after it happened, like, big deal. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> how, how did you, how did, like, how soon did you find out about it? Like, oh, were people calling you? In the like, morning or, when yeah. I woke up. Yeah, it was it was all the news. I, I had a friend call me at some point that day, uh, but I knew about it maybe when I got to work. I don't remember what day of the week it was at this point, so I don't know, remember if I went to work or if I had gone that day. I don't. It's all fuzzy, but mm. uh, um, I mean, I was very. It was I was online and dialed in, so I knew what was going on day to day, even if I wasn't at the shows. Yeah. And so yeah, I was pretty unhappy. But I, you know, I mean, happy I they played it. it. Uh, yeah, it was great. Unhappy like it was, you missed it. It was. And look, '90s Dead. It was kind of that. Uh, it was a very much an unspoken thing that Fish had a relationship with Grateful Dead in its existence, and it used to play Grateful Dead songs, and no longer acknowledged that past. Mm-hmm. Um, and for many years, they did not acknowledge that stuff. Um, and 98 Terrapin station put just buried the hatchet on all of it. And well, less than a year later, Trey and page did Phil and friends. Right. Well, I think that was part of it. So Phil, when Phil was in recovery from his liver transplant, people sent, you know, somebody, um, I say people, but cause I don't actually know exactly who sent him Someone. recordings of fish. And, and I think that was among them. Yeah. Um and he was like, "Oh, okay. We could do this. I could let's let's call these guys." Mm-hmm. And that's that's I I without Terrapin station would that have even happened? I don't know. Um maybe because you know, we know maybe. they were on the Dead's radar at least because, you know, as as Tom did a great interview with Brad Sands a couple of years ago before yes. uh Under the Scales got amalgamated into Undermine, um where, you know, they talked about how you know, Fish was one of the picks to open for the dead at the final shows at yes. uh, Soldier Field in 95, which that would have been crazy. I mean, I would have been there. I'd have been there. I was tempted to go just because the band was the opener uh, for those shows, right. but um, but I didn't. I didn't go. Um, yeah, you know, it, it's funny. I, I normally didn't. I mean, I would go in for the openers for the summer shows, but it was never really motivated by them, except for right. Bob Dylan. Didn't miss yeah. any of those. or Well, I missed some, but I mean, I didn't go in late when I was there. Right. Um, if you were going to the show, you weren't I was in Bob for Bob Dylan. Dylan. Um, yeah. And I, yeah, I almost took a bus down to, was it Tampa in the spring that year to uh, see the Black Crows open for them. Um, that show was kind of, Meh. So I'm I'm okay with ninety five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I'd seen a couple of good shows in ninety five already at that point. Uh, had fun in at Mardi Gras, and I went to uh, Philly, and I saw the Unbroken Chain, and which was oh nice, kind of a meh show actually. That if but I hadn't been told, the Unbroken Chain was exciting. Yeah, well, if I hadn't been told when I got to my seat that they had sound checked Unbroken Chain and were probably playing it tonight, and here's a cool sticker for you. You're in a good section, dude. <laughs> and um i was and uh spoiler alert yeah i was in a good section um but then the set proceeded to unfold in a not it wasn't great 
Um, and then there was a good uh, So Many Roads. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, What's funny is... Then I'm Broken you know, Chain. I was like, okay, I guess I'll yeah. stay. Yeah, well, <laughs> guess I'll stick around. It, it's funny, you know, look, comparing the, you know, Unbroken Chain, a song that, you know, was on an album 21 years prior, something, right? It was on Mars Hotel? Yeah, 1974. Um, yeah, so it was on an album 21 years prior, and, like, everyone went nuts when it got busted out. And then, you know, Fish plays And So To Bed for the first time ever last year. You know, that's 38 year bust out uh right because it was on the white tape yeah i I mean and you know like i don't think barely anyone knew that they were playing (laughs) well i mean there's a big difference between unbroken chain and and so to bed as well but it's it's funny to compare that's what it comes to debuting a song or you know i wasn't at the baker's dozen but i don't know how many people recognized end of session the the wise folks did, but uh, yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people didn't. Um, yeah, or Glide Two or whatever. Glide and, Two, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I I I don't know. It's funny because we have that's a cultural similarity, right? With the Dead and Fish, we track the songs. We know their set lists are all different, and when they bust something out, we to some degree or another get excited about it. Um, but you know, Unbroken Chain was kind of a it's kind of it was a well liked tune from a Grateful Dead album, and you have to say a percentage of Dead fans didn't listen to albums. Um, right. Certainly at that point, uh, but it's also a Phil song, and we theoretically liked Phil songs. Except, I think plenty of people had issue with things like "If the Shoe Fits" or uh, <laughs> "Broken Arrow" or whatever. But um, you know, to get that. It it didn't really, I mean, it, to be completely honest, none of the almost none of the versions were extraordinary um, right. or held up to the album. But that's because Jerry wasn't up to it, right? That was, it's, it's, it's exciting. It's exciting that they were playing it. Like I'm sure if they played it in '74, it would have sounded oh, awesome. God, yeah. All we have are some rehearsal tapes of Phil teaching them the thing, probably prior to the album or in the in yeah. the studio, but. We yeah. can dream. Oh, I have. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of there's lots of interesting things. Like, a, you know, a band decides to shelve a song for a really long time for like no apparent reason. Like, yeah. you know, why did they stop playing "Here Comes Sunshine"? I walked you around know? RFK in '95 with a sign detailing how many days since the last time they played "Here Comes Sunshine" in that venue, because at that point they were playing it again. Uh, yeah, but they did, not but they hadn't played it since '70. Three there? Three at RFK, yeah. Yeah. And I had, I mean, I had it to the day and I crossed out the final number and added another one for the next day, carried it sign around <laughs> again. And they still didn't play it. But what are you going to do? It is to yeah. dream. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and it's cool, you know, because Fish hasn't done something like that as often, you know, you know, have a song become like a staple for a while and then not play it for. Um, you know, 20 years, except for, you know, there are some cases like Isabella. Um, but I mean, it's a cover, but they still, they still played it a good number of times in 97. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say that's really the only kind of song that they have that they've really done that for, um, Mm -hmm. short of like. Exila part two. Yeah. That was a good one that they, but they busted that out now. So we are not looking for that. 
we got it. Right. But I'm so saying they, they take the A train. They played it. They, be... no, but they, they played it a number of times in yeah. 95 and then, you know, didn't play for 25 years. Exactly. And I was thrilled when I got my second one 25 years later or whatever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they, uh, otherwise, they, I mean, they don't have a lot of songs like that left mm-hmm. um, without doing something like Take the A Train or. Uh, or dear Mrs. or melt the guns please yeah melt the guns or unpacking something like a, a bundle of joy or lushington right. or something like that the which, Ash festival yeah which are really unlikely i yeah. think i think that they're just not i mean anything's possible with fish right all it takes is the it's true the wild hair to occur and suddenly <laughs> suddenly they're playing ass festival standalone and yeah. um or you just you got to remind trey that they exist like you know he yeah, talked right. about in a fish radio interview last year how like stuff like and so to bed you know he and axilla part two he just did not remember that those songs were a thing hey. like that, that or that they had ever been played and like he said like and so to bed like jeff tansky reminded him of its existence and trey was like yeah like you know why, cool. why the hell not like fuck yeah. it or but, um, um the second jam and mike's mike's song Yes, which, you know, thank you, Drew, for bringing it back twice in 2015 and then, you know, did it at the dozen and I keep waiting. I was waiting for it all of 2021. I I kept waiting for it. I was like, you know, everything's coming back this year and they they were jamming out the, they're still jamming out the first section of Mike's kind of more infrequently this year, but it's still happening. Um, But yeah, every time, you know, it's like, you can tell it's like that kind of show, like, you know, like maybe it's going to happen that like, I'm like holding my breath as they get to the end. And then it just doesn't happen. Just enough stretch at the be- first part of Mike's to give you hope. Yeah. Like, Ooh, they really want to play Mike's. Maybe they'll, maybe, maybe, no. Uh, yeah. I blame simple. You know, you have hope. I blame simple. You blame for breaking blame simple. Mike's groove. Yeah. Yeah. In 94, simple started appearing in every other Mike song. It then supplanted hydrogen, and then they just kind of exploded the suite. And, you know, over time, Mike's groove as a, you know, bang, 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 three-piece suite fell mm-hmm. apart. And before it's long, come back, though. it has. And then before long, though, the jam, the second jam fell out of it. And then, yeah, then they when they they take a hiatus, they come back, it's gone. You know, it's been gone before the hiatus. (laughs) Yeah, but it was really gone. And then they broke up and they come back and they're learning from some old tape or the old charts. They're relearning these songs and they don't remember that they used to stay on F, is it? You know, they, you know, they don't remember that they're supposed to just hold on that in that key um, and make beautiful music for us. Mm -hmm. Someday, someday it'll come back again. Um, You know. We we can hold on to that hope. The Mike song second jam, you know, sample is now a, a regular jam vehicle, which is what the hell is that? So strange. Like, you know, if if you told somebody in nineteen ninety, like four or five, like at the peak of like the oh, they're playing sample again, like, don't worry. Twenty seven years from now, they're gonna be jamming this out. <laughs> if you told some of the people I knew going to shows in nineteen ninety four that sample in a jar would become a big jam vehicle in the next century, they would be mad. <laughs> they'd be like i don't want to hear that song ever again yeah 
because it was. <laughs> weren't there you know, some people saying that about disease too? Oh sure, you know it was. It happens every album cycle where they're playing the new songs a little more, a little heavy rotation, if you will, yeah. to uh, steal a page title. Um, then uh, you know they get they get annoyed with how frequently it happens. But this is how the band. Uh, you know, first of all, they have new material. They're excited about it, so they're going to play it. But it's also how they get comfortable with that material, and that's where right. they find doorways to jamming. Yeah, like that. You know, think of how quickly you know they debuted. Everything's right. Set your soul free. Soul Planet, and how quickly those turned into huge jam vehicles. Like, right. Sometimes you know, they have to flog. Soul Planet is kind of Soul, or... soul Planet has kind of fallen off as a huge jam vehicle um, since 2018, but. Everything's right and set your soul free. Have you know both just have incredible batting averages as songs. Like yeah, they may not be your favorite songs, but like the jams that come out of those, like whew. yeah. No, I think there's I have... plenty of people who are hear those songs and they they're like, okay, well we'll get a jam. I'm going to run to the bathroom and they get back yeah. and they got a jam. Yeah, that works. works. It works. Uh, I I I am personally really chasing that the return of the big gumbo. Um. You know, they finally jammed one out this summer at Bethel for nine minutes, which I was losing, like, I was losing my shit over. You know, I, I was I was at camp, so I, I wasn't watching the show, but, like, I, I saw the next day, like, the timing, and I was like, ah, like, it's happening! And then, you know, then <laughs> yeah. um, it didn't. <laughs> well, you know, it's a, what, a four-minute song? So nine-minute yeah. song, that's a, that's not insubstantial. Is it a twenty-minute no, jam? No, but solid jam. Yeah, I, one I'm, thing at a time. I'm waiting for something on the level of like Star Lake '97. Yeah, well, that, that's a that's a dream. That's you a, could that's be a waiting a while. Long shot. <laughs> but you know, tying it back to our main topic, Stash. Um, you know, that's also a song that was very predictable for a lot of years. You know, it, you know, I mentioned I, I was looking at it earlier and. I forget where I was reading this, but like, you know, there have only been seven or so versions of Stash that have gone over 20 minutes. Oh, it was in um, Rob Mitchum's uh, 25th anniversary fish write-ups, which uh, if you're not subscribed to those, uh, fishcrit.substack.com, they are phenomenal. Um, Rob writes about every fish show on its 25th anniversary it's great um, stuff. and like lots of contextual stuff. Uh, and so he, you know, he talked about how, you know, he's obviously in the middle of fall 97 right now. And it, it's interesting. He talked about there have been seven versions of Stash to hit the 20 minute mark in fish history. Four of them were in 1997. It's which is crazy. And then it was, you know, for obviously for like all of 3.0, except for a, a couple of select versions, maybe until this St. Louis 2019 one that we were talking about. It was just kind of like, okay, it's Stash. We're going to get 11, 12 minutes of, you know, good jamming, but, you know, not going to do anything. And then finally, it steps out of its boundaries in early 2019. You know, there are a couple other versions shorter in that year that, you know, kind of go out into this more major key space or get interesting. And then 2021, you know, you have the Deer Creek version, you have Shoreline, you have Eugene, which are all phenomenal getting jammed out. And then so it, it's it's going places now, which is which is crazy. Yeah, never lose hope. Your never favorite lose hope. jam vehicle from the '90s that doesn't jam anymore. It could could back. be back, and it's funny, you know. Even Jam Charts has for Stash has from 3.0, 10, 12, 
11 minute versions that are acceptable. Um, yeah. Or better. I think one of the things that gets me about uh, so many of those versions, and actually I heard it in this one too, is that unlike the early versions, Trey misses some of the composed bits and yeah. Trey's wrong. We do want to hear the com composed bits correctly when they <laughs> when there are composed bits. Do I care if he hits every note and everything's right? No, but that's a different. Song. That's also just like chords, a, though. Like right. I want to hear stash and not a clam in the middle of that. Um, yeah. I listen. No, I'm not going to lie. 2019 is not known for its execution of composed sections. Like the, mm -hmm. the Mohegan foam is like a war crime. <laughs> like it, it, well it actually is. Um, yeah, they, <laughs> <It is>. uh, <laughs> will I trade perfect note for note playing for deep jams? Maybe often, I guess I do. I guess I have, mm. um, but I do believe that there exists a world where they can both happen again. 2021 was that world. There it is. You know, they were, they were, they were executing it. You know, um, that, that fluff head from Nashville 2021 right. is just like so pristine and beautiful. It's like, ah, <laughs> they did a pretty good one this summer too. Um, yeah. So, you know, anything's possible. Yeah. Uh, including a 30 minute stash. And, and that, that, that's a, that's a great spot to wrap up. I think, yeah. you know, there, there's a, they, we can all, we can all dream of a 30 minute stash, you know, on the level of Amsterdam, uh, coming back, but it has been an absolute pleasure, uh, talking about fish with you today, Jonathan. I know you wanted to talk about some of your music and things oh. uh, before we go. Yeah, I could do that. So yeah. you mentioned it at the top, like I have a band camp, jmhart.bandcamp.com. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've kind of, I've uh, been writing songs since I was a teenager and um, putting some to music back then and on and off forever, actually. But I haven't really been recording in earnest, much less releasing until 2020. And um, so I actually put out my second album this year. Uh, it's called Slips, Trips, and Falls, and uh, it is up there on the site. First album is also up there on the site. Uh, they're actually, I think we're in single-digit CDs available of the first album at this point, which is kind of fun. Um, CDs? Yeah, I, I, I made compact discs because CDs are back, baby. Uh, you know, <laughs> ask your parents, kids. Uh, maybe look for that very thin <laughs> slot in the dashboard of your car. Um <laughs> And, but, uh, yeah, but, you know, digital downloads and all that stuff. It's also on um, all of the major streaming sites that don't rhyme with Shotify, um, everywhere, but that one. Um, and so, yeah, but it, it, I, I don't know what it is. It's a folk songwriter ish music, um, a little, Cosmic Americana, um, but you know, I just write a variety of different songs and make it all right here in this room, um, pretty much with a, a help from a few friends here and there. Very cool, very cool. 
uh, yeah, check out Jonathan's music. Check him out on Broke Down Pod and HF Pod. Um, you know, good friends of Osiris. Um, and yeah, thank you so much uh, for being on today. It's been a pleasure. Very happy to get back uh, into doing uh, these fish episodes. You know, I've been obviously been doing a lot of goose podcasting lately. Shocked. Uh, so I was very excited to. I know, <laughs> uh, but I was I was very excited to get back in and go in depth on some fish again. There will be some more. We move through stormy weather uh, episodes coming very soon. Uh, some exciting guests in the works. Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, make sure you follow on social media at Stormy Podcast. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. Um, any Goose fans who are not aware of Always Almost There, check that out. Um, you know, we do day after show recaps of every single Goose show. Um, and, you know, half the fish fans listening to this have now turned it off because I mentioned Goose. <laughs> um, but, yes, that that is going to be all for this episode. Um, thank you again, Jonathan, so much for being on today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next time. music fans we wanted to let you know about music on the mountain a show that will feature anders osborne dogs in a pile and saints and liars this show will be directly after the divided sky foundation's fun run at 2 p.m on saturday may 18th at the base of akimo mountain in ludlow vermont the show is presented by the phoenix a national nonprofit organization offering support to those in recovery and anyone impacted by substance use to celebrate recovery. If you're running in the Divided Sky Foundation's fun run, you'll be automatically registered for the show. It's a family-friendly event, and all proceeds from ticket sales and other donations benefit the Divided Sky Foundation. Visit Music on the Mountain, that's musiconthemtn.com, for more info and to get tickets. That's musiconthemtn.com. Hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.